0: Welcome to the Samson Strength Coach Collective Podcast. We've created this collective in order to grow a network of strength coaches who are consistently raising the standard within our industry and as an educational resource for coaches of all levels. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Samson underscore EQ. This episode features Akeem Robinson, Head Strength and Conditioning Coach for Southeastern University, hosted by Justin Schwinn. Welcome to the uh, Coaches Collective today. Today we uh, have uh, Justin Schwin, I'm the Human Performance Advisor for the 58 Sal. I'm also a KBR contractor. days Decree. Uh, he is the head strength coach for the 58 South. He's also a KBR uh, contractor. And then we have Coach Robinson. Um, coach Robinson uh, comes for us today. We're, guests. We're honored to have you on today, Coach. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, so, Coach Robinson, in two and a half minutes, there you go.
1: Well, man, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for just giving me this platform. I'm really just humbled and just beyond just grateful for this opportunity. A little bit about me. I'm from Miami, Florida, and um, playing sports, love sports, hated football, but I wanted to get out of Florida. So I said, hey, let me make it work. Played one year of high school football. I got the opportunity and being blessed to go to Clemson. Did that for five years, got two degrees while I was there, one in three and a half, the next one in a year and a half. After that, I said, what's next? Like most people, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just being an athlete, wasn't thinking about my future, my life. After I did that, I went into coaching, but I just volunteered. I spent uh, five years in Missouri, where two of those, or three, excuse me, two of those years were at Missouri of s and and the last three of those years were at um, Mizzou where I met up with Pat Ivey, good friend of mine now, and just taught me a lot. I learned I was around a great group of people there from the staff and, and the athletes and the kids, and so it was a great time. I got my master's from there in positive coaching and psychology. After I went through that, I did five years at New Mexico State, which was another great opportunity for me with great people met there and I worked with Don Decker there and taught me a lot of things and just kept being a journeyman. And you know it just kept teaching me a lot, and so now I just spent my past year here at Southeastern, and it's been truly a blessing to be in this opportunity in this moment.
0: Thanks, Coach. Uh, so real quick, uh, you know, this is—I want this to be a multi-layered question when I ask it to you. Um, so uh, feel free to take your time as you dip and peel it back. Uh, first things first is what motivates you, and when I say what motivates you, what? How has it changed from when you were a player to now? Yeah. Um, and then and then the second part is how do you motivate your staff? And when I say that, uh, I mean the people above you and the people below you. If that's the head football coach, if that's the athletic director, if that's any assistants, if that's any interns, how do you motivate them? And is that different?
1: Awesome. So what motivates me now is the fact that I'm sitting right here. And what I mean by that is I took it for granted. I mean, yes, I, you heard me a second ago say I played at Clemson, but – I didn't really take advantage of that. I didn't really look at that lens for what I could have really accomplished in that moment. And I was putting my value on football. I was putting my life in the football. And when they said to me at one point, you're not good enough, or we're just not gonna play you, I couldn't deal with that. I didn't know how to understand that. So I suffered through depression. And then, I. I had to get admitted into suicide counseling. And I love Clemson, but, I, but people don't know that part, that I had to get admitted into suicide counseling. And then even after I graduated, with two degrees from Clemson, I was still homeless. And because of being homeless through all that, that taught me a lot. And the very first lesson that I taught myself through all those experiences was, make your bed. Because you didn't have one. <laughs> Be thankful for what you have. Because you didn't have this opportunity. And so for me, every day that I wake up, it motivates me because I didn't have to be here. I didn't have to be blessed with this moment. I didn't have to be blessed with today. So what motivates me is if I'm here, I'm going to try to pour into people. And that goes into the next part of the question, which you asked me, is what motivates me with my staff, with people above me and below me? It's we're here for a reason. How do we pour into these people that we're touching? How do we help these people realize that, yes, you're on a platform of football, volleyball, baseball, but can we really help your platform expand to be husbands, doctors, CEOs, um, shareholders, PhDs, really these great men and women pouring into other great men and women that they haven't even met yet? So what really and truthfully motivates me is how great can we make this platform? Because to me, a title is just a title, but what you do with that title is what they really talk about. So when I look at my life, yeah, it says director of strength and conditioning or director of athletic performance, but no, I wanna really pour into that. So I wanna try to get a PhD. I wanna try to continue to teach kids how to do stocks. I wanna try to continue to teach people how to be better. And in my staff too, and the people that work above me, I wanna teach us all how to be better because we're impacting these kids and impacting these lives in so many ways that you, we're not gonna hear thank you. We're not gonna hear, I hey, hate coach, I appreciate it. But we'll know we did a great job when they get put in a position of being fathers, mothers, CEOs, like I said earlier, those business people, because they're now in that role of leading. So that's what motivates me every single day. Coach, it's great to be able to speak
2: with you and meet you today, sir. Yes, thank for having me, brother. So wanted to ask you, in, in within motivation, gearing in towards your coaching style, uh, what is your coaching style like now? Has it changed from the past? You know, because once you start getting in, I think a lot of us, um, we're high energy you know, we're the bulldog or what have you, you know. But then, of course, as we get older, especially in this field, we kind of, you know, some of us stay the same. Some of us change a little bit. Uh, So I wanted to get your view on your coaching style, past and present. And then as well, how does that relate to your staff and them finding their coaching style?
1: Well, that's a great question. And so I like to start in the past. Um, In the past, I – Like many coaches and just many people, I went off of what I learned and I learned through some tough coaches. I learned through some people that was, it's my way because I'm in this position. It's my way because I've lived longer than you. And it's my way because I just know what's right. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong at all, but what I'm saying is that's the, the motto. And I was on a lot of successful teams and it got me to Clemson. So at the end of the day, I'm like, of course that must work. So when I became a coach, I was the same way. It was, it was no, no holes bar. It was, I don't want any excuses. The first mistake, there's going to be something to pay. Everybody's going to pay the price. And that's what, that's who I was. And, when I look back at it, I ask myself this simple question, would I enjoy being coached by me back in the day? And the answer is no, I would not have enjoyed it. I would have been a warrior and I would have been, I would have been tough, but I would not have enjoyed it. All my memories and all, everything I would have brought up would have been something that, oh man, you remember that time? It would have been things of um, demoralizing, beaten up and just not good. And we probably would have had successful seasons, but every story would have started off in a negative connotation. And today, it's changed full circle. And what do I mean by that is I look at the platform of coaching as a classroom. I look at the platform of coaching as we're teachers, we're mentors, and we have so much time to help these people. So if we have an hour, we're gonna utilize this hour the best we can, and not by just weights not by getting you faster, but we're going to actually try to pour into you. So every single day we teach every single day. Um, I, I tell the coaches that, that I work with, whatever's on your heart, you share it. So, um, last year, one of, one of the, one of my GAs came to me and said, coach, I want to pour more into the kids, into the word. I want to give more of the kids that spiritual aspect. I didn't do that the year before. And I want to do that. I said, you got it. Every team that you work with, you got it. Whatever you want to say for five minutes. And every day he talked about a Bible verse and what it meant and how that can help people. We're not going to run away from the facts. We're not going to run away from truths. We're not going to run away from who you are. And so for me, my facts and my truths are we spend five to 10 minutes teaching. Sometimes, if it's, a, if it's a big lesson that we need to teach, we're going to sit them down. One of the things that we did one time is we, I sat everybody down and we talked about stocks and not stocks to say, hey, you need to invest in this, you need to invest in this. But it's like, hey, what do you know about stocks? Do they scare you? Are you intimidated? Here's some quick things I want you to take away from today because I have stocks and I teach people all the time hey, this is what you can do. Another time we sat them down and they said, who has a bank account? Everybody's hands go up. And I said, but who here is a, has a money market bank account? And they're like, what is that? I was like, you get triple the amount of interest. And this is how much interest you get from the big name banks compared to the online banks, compared to money market banks. So we're teaching. So my style now is, is very open to, yes, I want to get you faster. Yes, I want to get you stronger, but I want to work on this because guess what? I'm not going to play in all the games. Guess what? Even if you did play in all the games, at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to do it forever. So you're going to have to look your kids. You're going to have to look your your significant other in the eye, and they're going to say, hey, can we make this payment? Hey, can we get this house? Is this possible? And I hope to God that everything that we did as a staff, not just me, but the people that are around me, that we poured into them, and they can look that person inside the eyes and say, yes, we can. So my style is very democratic. I listen to the GAs. I ask the GAs their opinion. I ask the GAs their thoughts. We program together. So like football, everybody has a say in in football. And there's disagreements because disagreements are good. Disagreements are necessary. And even democratic to the kids, like I'll ask the leaders, Hey, how do you feel today? This is what I wanted to do with squats, but we had a double overtime game last night. What do you think? And they'll say, hey, coach, you know, to be honest, I think the guys that started, can we take off one set? And the guys that didn't play that much, they keep the sets. Let's do it. Very democratic because it's okay to seek advice from the bottom up. And it's okay to seek advice from the top down. It just doesn't always have to be my way. So I'm very open to um, – giving the floor to people, very democratic and saying, this is the course we're going, but is that the right decision I'm I'm making? And if it's not, tell me. (laughs) Thanks, Coach. No problem. Coach, uh, kind of
2: piggyback off that
0: Um. Uh, would you grow you know, with your young uh, uh, young athletes because obviously they're coming in they've, they've had a certain culture in the high school level and uh, and you have to establish your standards, so how do you go about uh, establishing your culture in the weight room and and your day to day
1: the same way i do the same way I wake up every single day i 'm very consistent. And I'm very on it every single day. And what I mean by that is I want to open up this floor, this weight room, this building as a place of learning. So no matter if you're a senior, no matter if you're a grad transfer and you're an All-American, no matter if you're a freshman on your first day, you're going to get the understanding way before you ask me why. Because I want you to know why we're doing it. I want you to know why I'm teaching you. I want you to know why we're going in this direction. And you might disagree with it, which is fine by me, to be quite honest. But at least now that you know, you already know what I'm about. You already know who I am. So you don't have to guess. You don't have to say, well, I think he's going to be like this. Now, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to hold true to my word. And so if it's a new guy coming to the program, we're very onboarding about learning. And we separate those kids because we say, okay, this is where we want you to go. But let's see how you move first. Let's see if that's comfortable. Let's see what you know. Because I think, I think sometimes a lot of programs will just throw people in. And I think also sometimes a lot of programs will say, well, you got them. No, oh, I want to see them too. So we'll all have a hand in them and, and actually build them up.
2: Coach, staying within the, the realm of your, your athletes, you know, one, 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 I'm curious to know your philosophy your training philosophy. And then if you could speak on the differences between uh, your young freshman athlete compared to your junior, senior veteran, Um, the differences on how you handle them, uh, you speak to them, your standards, um, but also because, and I ask this, a lot of people don't understand the, the relationships we have with the athletes, mm-hmm. the amount of time that we spend with the athletes. So, mm-hmm. you know, someone who's new, you may, you know, teeter-totter a little bit as compared to, you know, someone who's a veteran and you're all engaged and, and you're their guy, that's your guy or that's your girl. You know, I think that that's something that especially, a lot of young coaches need to be educated on coming into this field what they're walking into cuz we're not just coaches right you know we were also supplementing their family mhm
1: um great question so I, for me the way i try to run it is my belief and my standard is all of all about understanding and the only way you're going to sometimes get to understand something is you have to sometimes be uncomfortable and so For my GAs, especially being here, I have some people with very little experience as a GA, but I want them to be uncomfortable because I want them to ask questions. I want them to be put in situations where they have to kind of figure it out. They have to kind of depend on um, being vulnerable and saying, I don't know. And sometimes they might be the only one to answer that question. and, And if it's wrong, we'll learn. And if it's right, great job because you're out there. So it's very open to to building this understanding. Um, the standard, the standard is high. And and I hate to say that it's like a cliche, but I don't mean the standard as high as winning. I mean the standard as high as the moment you learn it, I expect you to teach it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Because it takes a village. So how I treat the seniors is you lead the warm-up. Once you once I teach it to you, you lead the warm up because again I'm not on the field. I'm not gonna be the one out there, and I don't mean the seniors of the ones that played. I mean, this is your opportunity if you haven't been a vocal person, if you haven't been a that rah rah guy, or you haven't gotten the downs. This is your time to lead. This is your time to practice and be on unco- and be uncomfortable and say, you know what, I got it today, Coach. I'm gonna run it. And if you're a freshman, at some point you're gonna lead too. It's Again, it's not this top-down mentality that I try to bring to the table. It's a, mentality of, it's a mentality of saying to them, how can we educate you guys? How can we talk to you guys? And now, actually, with this whole thing of just how the world is, we're teaching that. So once a week with the entire football team, we literally Zoom the entire football team, 10 a.m. defense, 11 a.m. offense, we go through mental max out. It's kind of like a a way to think, and yesterday we talked on we talked about the subconscious mind and what that looks like because we want them to be educated to understand so from a a learning standpoint, it's give and take it's putting you in uncomfortable situations, it's making you be the leader when you're not ready to. sometimes we um, do things where there are no voices, but you still have to lead. sometimes we tell people. That you have to tell the other person what to do and they have to do it to, You know, because we're constantly changing things. And I just want people to be uncomfortable because I want them to start to find a new norm. So the standard is very high, but not as far as it goes to winning. But how can we help your understanding? What kind of learner are you? Do you have to see it? Do you have to feel it? Do you do you have to be talked to a different kind of way? And so it it's good for them to learn that too. So that's literally how we work with the kids coming in. We work with the seniors that same way, and also the people on staff. Does that answer your question? Yeah, uh, thank you, Coach. Um, so, uh, Coach, real quick question
0: for you. Um, this is important. Kind of <laughs> one of the reasons we're doing this uh, this platform is how do you how do we need to push the needle uh, farther forward um, to do better? And what I mean by that is, like, if, if you had a say in this field more than just, just, just where you're at, but you were all-knowing being, what do we need to do as a coaching staff or as a coach himself to
1: push this needle forward as, as a field? Two words. Get better. Get better. And see, the conscious way of thinking, when I say get better to a coach, you're going to be like, oh, I know my stuff. I know my lifts. I know what I'm doing. I know how to program. I know how to motivate kids. No, no, no. The way for this profession to change is we have to get better, meaning we have to be the ones to push the conversation with the athletic director and say, hey, I need more space hey, my budget was set at this. Can my budget now be moved to this? We need to be the ones to say, hey, there is a pandemic going on right now and there's task force going on. Am I a part of this task force? I need to be in those meetings. I need to be a part of the decision-making people. We have to get out of our own comfort zones to get better. We also have to push ourselves. We have to When we feel comfortable enough to start putting on suits, we'll be changed. And what I mean by that is I'm trying to get this PhD to elevate myself, but also to elevate the profession, to elevate these kids, to elevate where we're going, to elevate us. Like if we're not trying to become associate athletic directors, directors, then how can the next group of strength coaches even look higher than that? The next group of strength coaches after us are only thinking coach, 4 a.m., coach, 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 coach. And that's not bad. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if I had a say in this platform, I would say when you're here, the coach is the title. What are you really going to do with that title? How are you really going to make it stick? Are you trying to teach? Are you trying to expose what you know and say, man, I know this like the back of my hand. Can I teach classes on this? You know what, man? I've always had a passion for this. Now that I'm a GA, how much can I get into this PhD class for? How much is that certification? How much is that certification? Because once we start elevating ourselves, the profession is going to have to look up. And if they're looking up, guess what? They're either going to stay down here or they're going to try to reach up. And then once we see them feeling coming close, we're going to raise it again. We're going to raise it again. And that's how I try to teach in the weight room. I tell everybody in the weight room that works with us, don't ever work to the title you have. So if you're a GA, congratulations, once I shake your hand, but you're no longer a GA after that. You're now a coaching assistant. You're now an Olympic director. I'm I'm the director of athletic performance. I'm working as an associate AD. I'm dressing for the profession that I want, not the profession that I have. So we have to elevate ourselves. And that's what I would say if I had that platform. Thanks, Coach.
2: So, Coach, sticking with a, a similar theme, what are some advices that you would be able to give to young coaches coming up? Um, what do they have to look forward to? Um, and, and I speak on this. We've all had interns, GAs. Um you have those who they get it, and and they understand it, and they love it, and they embrace it. But you have those who just have no clue what they're stepping themselves into, which is a huge culture shock. Um, sometimes it's not for them, and that's okay. That's not a problem. But, you know, for, for, for someone who wants to come and intern for you, Coach Robinson, you know, what, what do you have to tell them in, in, in regards to not just working with you, but also moving onward and
1: upward in the profession? Great question. Um, working with me in the profession, advice I would give to people is understand and realize that any school you go to, any company you go to, wherever you go, there's a brand there. That's why they call it brand names, brands. That's that's. There's already something affiliated with that school. So that means there was already work there before you got there. There was already work there while you're there. And there's going to be work after you're gone. So if you already know that, understand that you're just falling into a brand. So if you fall into a brand and don't try to expand your own brand, yes, you are a brand, then... You can't look at the school. You can't look at and say, I didn't get any opportunities. No, you didn't take opportunities. You can't look at it and say, you know, if I would adjust. No, you should have been taking those opportunities. You should be looking and searching. And and when that door closes, you go to another one. When that door closes, you go to another one because you are your own brand. So literally go out meet more people go to more conferences find more certifications find ways to elevate your brand because at the end of the day let's be honest this profession is dependent upon people in their adolescence we're depending on people and they might not be living like a child but their brain development is still in a child phase and i'm not calling them children by any means of disrespect but i am saying If you're trying to depend on that, that's an uncertainty. That's not always a set level. That's not always a set foundation to build on. So if that's the truth, why not build your brand? Why not, you know, seek out certifications and things you love? Why not seek out things you enjoy to do and continue to find out how you can elevate that? Because guess what? Now when there's an opening, they might not call you coach. They might call you director or something else. They might not call you, coach this, they'll call you. And so it's because you made your own brand. So my advice to people, and especially people on the staff is don't work to your title, build your brand. And that's one of the things that I learned, you know, at, uh, I learned at Missouri and he just taught it to me, Pat taught it to me. And at the end of the day, it's you run with it. And so me and my friend, we talk, we talk about stocks. We talk about the environment of the financial market. We talk about, um, how we're trying to elevate our policies. We talk about programs and things we can get on because we know we're trying to elevate ourselves while still elevating this school. We're never stopping with ourselves and the, the title never should stop your journey. Does that, does that answer your question?
0: I guess he's a yes sir you did a great job on that uh fully on my end so uh real quick what I want to know for you um is is there anything in your career that you wish you kind of already you got, touched on this but don't go any more detail anywhere anywhere in your career do you wish you could have take something back or done something better um to maybe sharpen the end of that spear a little bit more to where you're at now coach you share that please
1: I I wish, the the thing that I regret and the thing that I I, I look at with shame now is I wish that I didn't look at my suicide or my my thoughts of suicide, my planning of suicide, my continual depression and anxiety. I wish I didn't look at my time of being homeless. I wish I didn't look at those as failures. I wish I didn't look at those as setbacks. I wish I would have looked at those as moments of triumph. I wish I would have looked at those as moments of victory because... These student athletes and these people now, they're dealing with so much and they're dealing with so much and and it's in front of them. Cause if they're not there, they're looking at something on a social media platform that tell them they should be. If if they're not good enough, they're looking at something by the click of a button and it's telling them they should be here. So they're always constantly evaluating themselves. And so I think they're getting hit with twice as much pressure and anxiety and the knocking on the doorstep of depression as if they're like, well, if I don't make it by next year, I'm a failure. If, if I don't accomplish this, then I'm not good enough. And that's not true. Everyone's story is different. Everybody's on different chapters. It doesn't mean every single day you're you're writing a full page. You might write one word in that page, but that's a successful day. And so to me, I, I wish I would have looked at those moments and instead of looking at them as failures, looked at them and saying, you know what? You didn't know. You know what? You're still here you know what, you can still fight. And even on top of that, I, I had five surgeries too. And so those, all that was affecting my mind. So the thing that I regret is looking at those as, as setbacks to the point where I couldn't bounce back, looking at those to the point where I was like, you know what, for what, why am I doing this? But now I'm doing this because there's someone else out there that I can, t- that I can tell that you, you matter, you have purpose. You're driving towards something you're going to change someone else's life, so that's the thing I regret yeah life's full of, of, of peaks and values, and you choose how you look
0: at them. you know you can look at the valley valley as as something that that you, you dwell in sadness and, and, and loss of hope, but realistically it, it, that's where you truly develop your character, I think and that's where you really develop that, that battle armor to, to walk when you're on the peak. just make sure you celebrate and you're thankful for. For opportunities that and opportunities that are provided to you, I, I totally agree with you. So I guess the best thing I, I want to ask you is: So you kind of you shared your story today, an awesome story. I love it. Um, how do you do you go about sharing that any differently with any athletes that that face hard times, or what? How do you process share that process with them? Because um, you kind of again, you kind of knowledge nuggeted it all over this 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 platform so far. But if I have someone say, hey, my mom died or, hey, my mom's in the hospital or my girlfriend broke up with Navy data, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you, hear, you hear the whole the whole gambit of, of issues. Um, how do you approach them? Um, and uh, usually how do you share to really develop that relationship, that connection piece where they they want to trust your wisdom? Because obviously you have wisdom. You shared it today. But how do you go about doing that with the, the individual uh, athletes that that struggle
1: well amazing question, and I think you've already shared that, and the funny thing is you said peaks and valleys, and I think that's the key because the peak in the valley is the understanding again, and i can't i can't say that enough there's understanding in both, and I think the thing people get caught up with so much is they really believe that this life is their own, they really believe that it's this is my race i 'm here. I'm going to do everything in my power and I'm going to go, 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 go. And sometimes they just don't stop and sometimes they don't slow down. So for me, how I live, it's if I'm dealing with somebody that's in a peak, a valley, or they're heading to one or the other, I'm going to meet them where they are. And sometimes I'm going to stop my journey because my journey met me with this person for some reason. So I'm going to stop my journey if I met with this person and I'm going to try to teach this person. I'm going to try to, to pour into this person. And I don't know if it's going to be enough to pull them out or make them continue their climb. But I think if sometimes you can stop and you can meet them where they are, you can then understand why they're heading there. Because, because again, there's not, there's not defeat in the valley. You know what i 'm saying you you might need the valley for something you might need the val the valley to understand what is really coming for you what what is really happening or what you'll become after it you know um, and, or you might be on the you might be on the peak and understand that there's another one bigger than the one you just spent the past five years climbing are you, do you have the right tools? Are you ready to make this climb and so I think meeting them where they are is important and the, the power of just asking, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? Talk to me. What's on your mind? The power in just stopping to ask instead of telling is, is so strong because we can really do that more. And sometimes we can really understand that everything that I went through, everything that I've gone through in my life, <laughs> maybe isn't for me, maybe it was just all for this platform to change someone's life today. Like if we can understand sometimes that some of our moments in life may be our greatest or maybe our worst, but it might not even truly be yours. It might be your experience to tell and teach someone else because they're probably going to do something with it. So if you can just understand that and have that knowledge and meet them where they are, it's a powerful thing because you can help them continue to go where they got to go. I think it's beautifully said, um,
0: and it's 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 definitely just I call it shoulder tapping. Um, I think um, the process for me is just being present with them because it really at the end of the day that's where everything starts and really might be what they're seeking. They just want someone to be present with them. I think the you phrase is stopping. They're stopping with them, and I think it's huge because everything's moving so fast and there's, and, and there's so much going on good or bad mm-hmm. just being present and sharing and affirming that moment with them you allow a, a, a definitely a, a much deeper uh, potential relationship where they literally will will, will buy and abide by you um, mm-hmm. so real quick i, I guess one the, uh, this is not a negative but this, this is definitely a conflicted piece that we all face so what well, this next question is how do you deal with coaches and even athletes that tell you that you're wrong? Um, that happens. It happens to all of us, uh, right, wrong, or the other. Um, certain what people have certain perspectives on certain things. It might be a position coach that says, hey, you're wrong. This is not what I did back when I played, or this is not how it was at my previous uh, position I held at the previous university. Um, how do you go about dealing
1: with that? Well, that's funny, man, because um... – <laughs> When I first started coaching, I had a coach tell me that you're wrong. And I like to do lifts this way. And I like to do lifts that way. And at that stage of my career, I didn't handle it well at all because that ended up being me and that coach in the office screaming at one another about to fight each other. And I didn't handle that. Well, I didn't represent myself well at all. And now you know, you still get that. You still get coaches say, Well, I prefer this way compared to your way, or I don't like that way. And even athletes. And the thing is, I give them that platform. I give them that platform to speak your mind because at the end of the day, education and understanding is a very two-way street. And and there's always a message. So there's a message that means if there's a message being sent, there's also me a message being received. And so if they're not receiving my message the way I, I intended it. Give them the platform to be able to speak their mind. And so I listen to it. I listen to what they have to say. I I take in why they're saying it that way, the tone behind why they're saying it that way. Is it an emotional response? And if it's an emotional response or if it's something done in action because of something else happening, I give them that platform. I give them the space. I give them the time. But if it's something just done because of past experiences or things they might not fully understand, I'll I'll meet with them again and try to tell them or try to talk to them. And then I think things are always about compromise too. I think you can, I think, again, you can listen to that person and say, okay, if this is what you feel comfortable with, or if that's what you feel comfortable with, let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can make an adjustment on. And there's also some things you can't, but again, explaining yourself up front, I think you deal with those less. If you come in there blazing and you come in there like, this is mine, my way, my way, my way, I think you're going to deal with that stuff a lot on the back end. But if you come in very like, hey, this is me, very open, very vulnerable, very like, this is all of my information, nothing's hidden, nothing is, nothing is a mystery, then guess what? I think you don't have to, to fight that too much. And so that's one of the, the ways you defend against that. You can be open. Because if you're guarded, you're going to always be guarded. You're going to always be on your toes. But if you're open with it, like, hey, this is who I am. This is, what I, this is what I believe in. I know it. I've studied it. And if they still don't believe that, okay, it's your team or it's your thing. We'll work with it. And if it's an athlete and they don't believe in it, let's talk about it. They still don't believe in it. Okay, let me talk to another person about why you might be feeling the way you're feeling. Maybe I might need more understanding. So there's a lot of ways we can get to communication. But I think if two people are acting emotionally, nothing will get communicated the right way. Thanks, Coach. Last question
0: I really want to ask you today, because this is the burning question on everybody's plate um, in our current state of being, is what do you – and everybody's talked about it. If they've talked to colleagues, talked within the athletic department, uh, other schools, (laughs) other programs, any which, shape, or form, How do you see the transition coming back to normalcy? Um, And where you're at now, is that going to be a phased in position? Or is that going to be a uh, we quarantine our athletes for a certain period of time and start uh, training? What does that look like in, in, in your landscape, Coach?
1: I think, you know, that's a great question. I think at the end of the day, the thing is the safety We have to make sure that we're putting these kids in the safest position possible. And with that, it's important. It's, it's imperative, but for for coaches to, to fight, to, to push their name out and try to get on these task force because you don't know the decisions being made. If you're not in it, you don't know what's happening. If you're not a part of it, you don't know, uh, what they're deciding if you're not trying to make it happen or you're not a part of that line of communication. So I think the safety is, is far most, the most important route we have to go. And then being a part of those committees right now, we're a part of we're we're forming this committee and we're putting together our policies of, safe return to play and contingencies of what if this was to happen? What if that was to happen? If this was to happen, what is that was to happen? Because I think when you, the hardest thing people don't, they don't want to say it and they don't want to talk about it, but the hardest thing is the start, right? The start is always the hardest part, but once now you communicate and you have your voice and you have your sounding board along with the athletic director, along with other sport coaches and along with athletic training, you can now say, well, I hear what you're saying, athletic training, but have you considered this? Oh, okay, that's great, uh, you know, sport performance. Now what about that? Oh, I didn't think about that. That's, now you have some sound pieces and information to go off of, and instead of just rushing to a decision, because if you rush to it, it might be emotional, it's really a sound decision because we 've actually broken this down, and it 's in the wording that of how we have ourselves protected and how we have the student athletes in a safe environment at the end of the day. thanks coach uh, so last
0: last part of uh, this podcast platform I, I really want to leave it to you. Um, I want this to be the knowledge nugget section of this this is This is you where you feel. Um, obviously, coming today, there's certain things you're passionate about, certain things you want to share, um, uh, whatever it is. Um, so, uh, this is your time. Um, take as long as you need. Um, but this is you. This is the Knowledge Nuggets from Coach Robinson.
1: So, this is, the, this is a funny story because, like I said, I, I love teaching, and we use that five, ten-minute window before every workout to teach And I told the athletes before all of this happened, I said, I told all my teams, don't, don't depend on fans, you know? And they looked at me like, what do you mean by that? And I said, don't depend on fans. And I said, you know why they're called fans, correct? And they looked at me like, what are you talking about? I said, think about it. Old school fan, turn it on. It can, it comes and it goes, and they were like, oh, so that their minds were blown, right? And now we're talking about stadiums, arenas, these massive coliseums might not have fans, but people wanna play. People wanna be a part of something. But that's the bigger picture. I want you to take that same concept of what I said and put that in your mind. Don't depend on the fan because it'll let you down. Be your biggest supporter. Be your biggest advocate, you know, days you don't feel it, days you make a mistake, days you are not what you thought. Don't come at yourself and say, ah, that's dumb. I messed up again, I'm never gonna get it right. Be your biggest supporter because now they're taking the fans possibly away. So who are you gonna depend on? If this hasn't been trained right, if this hasn't been put in the right scenario in the right settings, It's not going to work. So take this time to build this. Take this time, five, 10 minutes a day and write down positive thoughts. Write down a positive statement. You want to say five times a day. I am strong. I am capable. I am willing. Start journaling because when things get back to normal, you'll never need an outside element to be supported. You'll never need an outside element to feel worthy. And so at the end of the day, I think what I can give the fans out there is a big thank you and appreciation, but continue to build this support group, continue to make this person be on your side, no matter what.
0: Well, coach, uh, it it was great uh, getting you on and having a conversation with you today and and hearing the layers of, of coach Robinson. Um, I I can't, I I can't thank you enough for uh, providing us with your time, even though we have time right now, it's always precious. And, um, you know, I look forward to uh, providing this message out there to other coaches, young and old, and, and allowing them to kind of dig through that and, and influence themselves and kind of, I guess, like I always say, I, I, I've worked in the tactical sector for for going on three years now. And they always talk about the end of the spear and, and always being, you know, as lethal as you can make it and making it sharper and sharper every day. And and, and I think this provides that opportunity. So thank you, Coach. Uh, best of luck in in, in this current setting and, and as we transition. And best of luck transitioning to the fall and, and what, what society has in store for that. So thank you again. Thank Coach.
1: you. Thank you so much. We'll love to do it again. Appreciate you. Yes, sir.